our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. Hey, what's going on, No Bad Dog Army? Hope you're well. Monday, Monday, Monday. Love Mondays. My favorite thing, favorite day of the week. It's just a fresh start. It's like, hey, let's get in gear. Let's get back into work. Father's Day was yesterday, so hung out with uh, family and things like that. So anyway, it's a good day. Love Mondays. Lakota's head is buried in my lap right now, looking for attention. Coffee's good. Everything's good. Beautiful, beautiful day. Super stoked. This is a great podcast with a dog that's like a wolf something or other that's not really a wolf. But uh, anyway, this this, inter- this this is interesting. And um, the owner of the dog has had this dog since a puppy, and it's been pretty aggressive since the get. So we talk about how to troubleshoot through this process of a dog that is probably taking advantage of somebody with an opportunistic approach of like, hey, can I get away with this? Cool, I'm going to keep doing it and pushing and pushing and pushing. And um, yeah, it's a lot of good information into this one. And at the end, I'm going to be answering your specific dog training questions. All you guys have to do for me to do that is just go over to iTunes and leave a review. And yeah, Spotify unfortunately doesn't have a review. They have a review column, but they don't. you can't write your review out. You can just rate it. So anyway, I'd always appreciate a good good rating. Growing uh, this podcast is something that's been fun. I appreciate you guys. Uh, UK people coming to the UK in September. Make sure you guys get your tickets. They're selling out. Link is in the description below. Listen to the end of the podcast to hear your dog training questions and just more dog information after the podcast, after the show. There's more information. So hope you guys are well. Enjoy the podcast. I I have some training experience. So I've I've trained professional comfort dogs before. Mm-hmm. And when I got him, I thought I was completely prepared and he, any training I ever did for the comfort dog did not work at all for him. Okay. And um, he's, he's what, what breed is he again? He's an American Alsatian dire wolf dog is what they're called. Okay. Interesting. I've never heard that. Yeah. They're kind of, it's a newer breed that's come out like in the last 30 years. Hmm. Um, they're supposed to be amazing um, family dogs and super chill, and he does not conform at all to that. Um, so I don't know if I should just give you a quick history of him. Is sure, that- yeah, let's do that. Let's just do quick little background, I guess, and then we'll get going. Okay, so he, I noticed right away that he was on the aggressive side. Um, you know, we did lap therapy. Just I did that with the comfort dogs and the breeder did it with her, you know, all her dogs. So she thought it'd be a great idea. Um, lap therapy did not work for him. Um, What's lap he, therapy? I I'm not familiar with that. So it's just basically, 
yeah, no, it's basically having the dog um, in your lap or, you know, between your legs and you give them like basically a massage. So it gets them used to being handled. You touch their feet, you touch their mm. ear, that kind of thing. Um, yeah, you look in their mouth, you know, get them used to that kind of thing. Yeah. And he did not like, um, he actually, within a few days of us having him, he actually snapped at my daughter because she was holding him against his will to try to do this lap therapy. And that's kind of when I first started noticing that um, he kind of had a mind of his own and was on the dominant side. I didn't want to throw the word around because I know people do that. Mm -hmm. um, but the more I started working with him, the more I realized that he was having dominant behaviors. Um, so he and another thing he did, you know, if he with the comfort dogs when I worked with them, you know, if they counter surfed, you know, I have a house leash on them. I would do just quick off and give them a little correction. And, you know, that worked with him. He would turn around and aggressively attack the leash mm -hmm. and then pretty soon, really quickly. And this was like nine weeks old. Pretty quickly, he realized it's not the leash holding him back. It's the person holding the leash. And then he started doing that to me mm -hmm. at a very young age. Um, How young? And like nine weeks old. Okay. He started, you know, doing the, the growling and the snapping with any kind of uh, leash correction at all. Um, also, he would do if he was in my space and I did like a, you know, walk into him to back off of my space or to do like a place command. Like when I w went to feed him, I wanted him in a place and I'd put him there, even shuffle him with my feet and he would growl and attack my legs anytime I pushed him slightly. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so, you know, I was dealing with this as him with a puppy. And so when he was about, you know, I tried different training methods. I actually watched a lot of your videos, which were helpful. Thank you. <laughs> cool. Um, and, um, you know, and I did, I had to talk to the breeder a lot. And the breeder's like, he shouldn't be acting like this. Something happened between the two of you. You know, they do these personality tests on them. Yeah. And she's like, his personality does not fit what you're describing to me. And I'm like, I don't know what to tell you. And um, she said, well, and he does this, he did this aggressive barking thing at me. Like, so barking at me, um, you know, like yelling at me, basically. And so she said, you know, that's rude barking. And she goes, you got to do what she called a whirlwind. Mm -hmm. And where you make yourself big, scary and like, you know, yell at them, like scream. That's, and I'm like, okay. Yeah. So I tried it and it didn't phase him one bit. He barked louder and harder at me. Sure. And so when I told her that, she goes, Well, your whirlwind probably wasn't big enough. And so I videoed it for her, <laughs> sent it to him. And she went, Your whirlwind was great. And she goes, He responded slightly, like he backed off. He did a submissive role, but also was still barking at me so he's completely relentless and he's been that way since day one yeah so how old is he how old is he right now he is eight months old okay um, he's like he's 118 pounds and um i had i i had a behavioralist work with him at like four months old i went okay this is just not working uh -huh. and I had, I had a canine behaviorals come and work with him and he basically, the first time he worked with him, he goes, this dog is so obedient. He's awesome. He goes, he, he listens to me and he goes, so obviously he's getting away with things at home. And I said to him, I said, he's not getting away with things at home. I said, he's doing this because he's trying to figure you out. 
And he goes, dogs don't do that. And I said, well, he does. And I got kind of mad at him. I'm like, I don't let him get away with things. He's like, well, he obviously gets away with it. And so the second time he came out, he was about five months old or so or six months old. Same thing happened. He goes, well, he's a little bit more feisty, but he's still obeying. He's still very good. I mean, he's really good with his obedience commands. Uh And he, he listens great. He goes, I do corrections on him. He's listening to me. And again, I said, he works in threes. I said, you come out again, I'll guarantee you, he'll give you all kinds of hell, basically. Sure enough, the third time he came out, um, our dog unleashed all of his rage on the trainer. And he goes, holy crap. He goes, I believe you now. And he goes, he needs to do a board and train. And so we did a board and train with him for two weeks. Mm Mm-hmm. And there was only a slight improvement. I mean, I, he did get somewhat better, but he also developed other issues that we're dealing with now. Okay, so and, ri- so right now he is uh, he's eight eight months old, hundred yeah. hundred and what hundred and eighteen, so hundred twenty pounds. And is he intact? Yes. Okay, and so what do you so so speed me up here? What are we dealing with now? Okay, so now. Um, He is, he does not like being told what to do. So he's definitely better than he was before. But so if I'm uh, a good example is if somebody comes over, um, I don't let him, I have him on a house leash still, and I don't let him just jump on somebody or, you know, I have him heel next to me Mm -hmm. and then I have him sit and I knows he needs permission to go say hi to somebody. So he'll give me eye contact. I'll, you know, I do like a kind of a command where I'm like, that's very good or something like that. And then I go, go, you can say hi. And then I have the person ask him to sit and he sits beautiful when, Mm -hmm. you know, he'll go up to the person and then they start petting him. And then he gets overexcited in a sense that he'll sit and then you can see him quivering because he just wants to say hi more. And then he starts throwing paws at the people and I tell them back off. And then I do a correction. I say, no, heal. And then he turns and on me and starts biting me. So, okay. And it's the same thing when we're outside, you know, his biggest thing right now is we'd be playing and I will do random come Mm -hmm. and he'll come and I'll grab the leash and I'll be a good boy. And then I'm like free and I'll do that randomly. And then, you know, when I do want him to go in, you know, I do that come, I do the same thing, but we start walking to the house and he's like, nope. And he just, he's taller than me when he stands up. So he'll stand up full on his back feet, start like doing like a horse rearing, trying to scratch my face and start biting my arm. Okay. And so there's like, I'm like, I don't even know what to do at this point because I can't do any kind of collar corrections and even like commands. He doesn't hear. It's like he blocks everything out other than what he wants. Sure. And even sometimes his eyes even like dilate at me. Mm-hmm. So I know at that point there's no reaching him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just sounds to me he's, he's in his teenage years. Yes. And he is doing everything he can to pave his own way yes. and get away with the things that he obviously wants to do, which is pretty normal for an intact male at that age. I mean, every situation, every dog that I come across that has these issues is usually within the same variables. Eight to 12 months, intact male, same thing. See it. Not every day, but almost every day. So it, it's very, very, very common, which tells me that keeping your dog intact until they hit this maturity 
is something that you have to you have to really be prepared for, I guess. In some breeds, not all breeds. Other breeds don't give a crap. They're like, yeah, whatever. Right. Anyway, so what? Okay, so it, it sounds to me like that's happening, and then there's this frustration going on. So that's what you're getting when you're trying to basically say, "Get down, get off." He is fighting back. No, I don't want to. Don't tell me what to yeah. do. You're like, no, you yeah. have to. You push back, and then he gets frustrated. He'll get mouthy. He'll he'll yeah. do everything that he can as a dog to disrupt and to roadblock and do whatever he can to say no. Sometimes yeah. it's jumping on you, scratching you, barking, biting your ankles, um, whatever. Uh, dogs are just very opt- opportunistic about figuring out how can I stop you as the handler and telling me what I can and can't do. Yeah, that's okay. exactly what he did. Yeah. yeah. So what, um, okay, so his obedience is good. He understands these things. So it sounds like it's this relationship thing that you're having a hard time overcoming. What, um, what type of equipment are you using with him? So I have tried basically everything. Um, you know, I started him... As I talked to my friend who, who trained, he used to train aggressive dogs and he's the one that trained me to be a comfort dog trainer. And so I talked to him and he goes, you, you know, you start him on a prong collar earlier than he would have liked. And that made no effect on him whatsoever. He was like, what's this? You know, he didn't care. Um, I actually tried an e-collar. Um, I don't like the shock part of it, but I tried the vibration and the, I mean, he's super smart, super intelligent. So within the first three times of me using the vibration, um, he figured out it was me causing it. Mm-hmm. Um, so every time a vibration would happen, he would come at me with teeth flaring. So the collar did not work in that sense because he took his aggression out on whoever was holding the remote or whoever he thought was holding the remote. Um, so that didn't work. Um so I've used the um, the trainer we had before. He goes, when he had him for two weeks, he goes, um, well, he said he's the most relentless and most difficult dog he's ever worked with. Um, but he said, sometimes I throw a muzzle on him. And he goes, that kind of put him in his place. He realized he couldn't do anything about it. So I did get him a muzzle. Um, I've only used it a few times. Didn't really seem to do much other than frustrate him, but maybe I could try that more. Um, and then yeah. the thing that the thing that's worked the best for me on walks, at least, because he'd be really good with healing, and then he would see another dog and want to go say hi, and if I wouldn't let him, he would turn all his frustration on me. And so, what worked the best for me with him was a safe calm collar, um, which kind of goes over the nose and under the chin, and I had a little more control over his head, and he hates the thing. But he has learned that he cannot, I can move his head so he can't turn on me. So that has made our walks very enjoyable, actually. He's been listening, he's been sitting, you know, he's been passing dogs or people without issues. Mm -hmm. He used to redirect onto me every time we passed a person or a dog or a bike. You know, he would turn on me immediately. And I had so many bites and scratches and I couldn't even take him for a walk anymore. Okay. Yeah. It it just, it just sounds to me like there's, um, I mean, he's a challenging dog, obviously. So the, the, I think, I think a lot of this or a big portion of this is definitely the breed. 
it's obviously a yeah. challenging breed. Um, I, I, and I'm not, like I said, I'm not too familiar with the breed. I don't know what they're supposed to be doing or what their origins of, uh, satis- satisfied, uh, dog origin is meaning like what are, what would make them happy? Um, yeah. sounds a lot like a, like a Siberian Husky. Yes. He has a Malamute and German Shepherd and Irish Wolfhound. Mm-hmm. And that's what the breed, they, they breed them. They put either Irish Wolfhound in them or Mastiff to make the size. Um, but they usually, they started with a German Shepherd and a Malamute. So he has a lot of the Malamute stubbornness and stuff. Yeah. I think that's what, I mean, that's what it sounds like to me is there's a lot of stubborn bratty make me what are you going to do about it type of behavior and some breeds definitely are more consistently geared towards that mentality regardless of what's going on out there Mm -hmm. um so it definitely is a thing so i i would say that that's a a portion of it is it's just a difficult dog you know you get like a lab or uh really any other dog uh, Shebas are tough. Uh, Siberian Huskies are tough. Great Danes can be tough because they just, they, they don't, they're not like, they don't want the companionship that other dogs do. They don't want to listen to you. They don't want to, hey, what do you want me to do for you? I'll do anything for you. I love you. They just, they're not that type of dog. They're kind of like cats. They become yeah. very like, it's not, it's almost, it almost seems like it's not natural for these breeds to take direction from humans. And, you know, like any other, like a hunting breed, go out, get something, bring it back or whatever. It just, it just seems like some of these other breeds that are, I don't know. Anyway. So, I mean, this is, this is one of those things that I'm just trying to paint a picture here. And I I think what I would, what I would be doing is, is I'm just judging off what you said already. I think I would be going out and working with this dog and, and I think so when so let's let's just say you put the e collar on and you said that he came back and redirected and got upset with you, right? Yeah. So when that happened, when he got upset with you and he was whatever, um, why can't you use the leash to correct him off when he comes at you? Because typically, when a dog and it doesn't really matter, I'm just giving you context of that particular situation, right? So he is upset that you use the vibrate collar he turns around he comes after you and then i would correct him for coming after me you have to basically a dog throws this tantrum and if you allow them to continue to throw tantrums because some people might say oh just let them throw a tantrum let them get it out let them get it out well that's 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 just enabling them and teaching them that hey if you don't like something all you have to do is throw this tantrum and then you get what you want and that's a terrible inhumane thing to do to a dog because then they never learn how to behave right like with kids so what so what would be stopping you in a situation and it maybe you didn't have a leash on at that particular time but i'm just saying if you did something and he came back at you why can't you stop him from continuing to go out of control i do have always have a leash on him and that's exactly what i would do so when he came at me and i did the e-collar the thing is he so say he was, you know, loose in the, you know, outside or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he was, he came and ran. I mean, I always keep a, a long, when outside, I keep a really long leash on him so I can grab it if I need to. Um, even though we have a fenced in yard. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if he would come at me and I would do, you know, the e-collar and then he would come worse at me because he knew I would grab the, the thing and he just, he escalates everything. So if I grab the leash and did a no correction, you know, he's jumping up at me and biting. Yeah. So that's what I'm having a hard time with is why can't you, like, I'm just confused on if I had a dog on a leash and they came mm-hmm. to bite me like using the leash to stop them from getting to me is kind of the objective of the leash is to withhold them from that. So that's where I'm having a hard time of like, if I had a, if I'm just kind of painting this in my head, if I have a dog in front of me, my left hand is on the leash. I have a slip Mm -hmm. collar, flat collar, martingale prong, whatever. And they come to come and say, Hey, let me go jerk. And they come to slap me in the face, AKA bite me. And it's not an aggressive attack. They're just like, Hey, let me go. This is what I do to, to, to make sure people let me go. And I just pop the dog down and I say off bang and they do it again off bang. And then they go for my legs. Nope. Bang. And I'm just, yeah. I'm just stopping them with leash pressure. I'm just having a, why, why can't you do that? We have done that. Like I said, from- I, I think the, the biggest challenge there is he doesn't fully respond to the leash correction. So it almost makes him, it makes him pissed more, off. more annoyed that, He's being told to stop what he's doing. I mean, I got bit really mm-hmm. bad by him by doing that. Um, you know, because he would jump up, and I, I originally, you know, I started, okay, I'm going to stand on the leash. Mm-hmm. So he can't, you know, and then, you know, at first it worked. With everything, it works at first with him. And then yeah. he figured his way around it. And so then he started biting my ankles. And so I asked the trainer, the behaviorist, I said, because he's like standing on the leash. And I said, I do that. What do you want me to do if he bites my ankles? Mm-hmm. And he reached down and give him a pop with the collar. I said, okay, he'll bite me, but I'll try it. Mm-hmm. And so sure enough, right after he left, he jumped on me and I said no. And I stepped on the, the leash. He bit my ankles. So I gave him, went down to give him a pop correction and he attacked my hands and I got a pretty bad bite. And so I pulled him back and I said, no, I'm not doing that. I said, he doesn't respond, you know, so he, he comes back and, you know, we try, I mean, cause I'm short, so he's taller than me when he comes rears up. So I can't, I used to be able to hold him out with the leash to my side and do a correction and go, no, no, you know, like are off. Mm-hmm. But now, you know, holding him out, he can still reach me <laughs> yeah. if, you know, try to do a correction off to the side. So what actually we found um, that works the best is if I loop the leash around our fence post and have like a pulley system, he tries to come at me, I pull, he can't. And we do the same thing in the house. So we're still using the leash, but he's fighting a fence post or, you know, the staircase post. And then he immediately will sit down and be like, oh crap, you know? Yeah. He he has recognized that that is a a loss for him. Yeah. Mm And we go to those locations he knows he's like i lost he can't he can't win whatever he's trying to win because of the of that situation yeah okay got it so let me ask you this when you when you are correcting him where is your what collar are you using so say you're going out to train to kind of get some of these kinks out because that's that's essentially like what i would do with a dog like this is i would say okay we got to get some of these kinks out because you're so used to getting away and doing anything and everything that you want. It doesn't matter if I go out and ask you to sit down, stay and heal or whatever. We're going to have to just fight at some point. 
And I just have to teach you that I'm not going to let you get away with some of this, this bull crap stuff. And so it's a lot of patience of like, Hey, no, don't leave it off until the dog goes, now we can, Hey buddy, come over here place. Yeah. I don't want to place. Yay. And then you pay them. They're like, Oh, maybe this isn't so bad. So you have to have these breakthrough. It's just like with human behavior, you have to have this breakthrough sometimes, you know, it just depends on what you're dealing with, but regardless, you know, so um, anyway, so when you're when you're doing this behavior and when you're doing this training, I mean, and I understand that he's not um, as responsive as he as you would like him to be with the correction. Like normally, you correct a dog for doing that, and they're like, "Oh crap, sorry, that was bad." Yeah, don't do that again, right? And it makes sense. That's that's the beauty of using punishment and correcting dogs for behaviors we don't like is because it gets rid of them. So we don't see it ever again. Right. That's kind of the beauty of it. So when you correct him, is his, what are you typically using? Like what's your everyday going out to wear with him? Is it the, the gentle leader type thing that you had? So I use the, when I'm home here and stuff, I always have that prong collar on him. Yeah. Um, Gale collar. He's just like, what that's on me. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. He kind of does the prong collar too, but it's a little more, he responds a little bit more. When I'm out, like in public, I definitely use the um, the safe, calm collar. And he will respond to that because it's around his nose and he hates it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I have had some good corrections with that. Although he still tries to use his height as an advantage when he wants something, because like I said, he's about five nine when he stands up. I'm, I'm six five foot, ten. I'm six foot tall, and he can comfortably put his paws on my shoulders. Yeah. His front paw. So yeah, and I'm only like five three. So when he, you know, he knows I'm taller than you. I'm. I mean, he tries to be bigger than me. Um, you know, and at that point, I've actually walked into him and knocked him over. But like I said, he's, I mean, the behavioralist learned pretty quick with the two weeks he had him that he's like, this dog is completely relentless. He does not respond. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I know. And I'm like, I feel like he's neurotic or something. But, um, but yeah, I guess, I mean, he, like I said, he is getting better in the sense that um, he's not biting as much. He does still try to. Um, the biggest thing that we've noticed, which is a whole different issue. Um, and that this has been since the, you know, the, the Borden train, he's all of a sudden become very possessive over certain things. And, you know, that's the part that scares me because that's when he gets, you know, the, 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 the jumping on me and the mouthing is just mouthing. It's not even really hard. Yeah. It's not good, but he's not biting hard, but the possessive stuff, that's where he gets nasty. Yeah. And a lot of it is stemming from the same like behavior. Like it's allowing him to, pick on you and do whatever he wants with you is like, even if it's just mouthing and playing and jumping and not listening, that's also the reason why he's possessive because it's the same thing of I'm going to walk all over you. I'm going to do what I want. You can act however you want. You can do or try whatever you want and I'm still going to walk on you. So then when he gets something, it's the same exact behavior. It's just, he's going to be, he's going to take it a little bit more, excuse me, seriously. Right. He does. Yeah. So, so when you're, so, okay. So, so, uh, I, I guess I, I think I missed the, the answer on if you were to just bring him out tonight 
on a leash, what would you use? The martingale doesn't do anything. You use the calm thing when you're out. What do you? What would you use at home, just you and him? Just the prong collar. Okay. So when he, so say he he starts to do something you don't like, when you correct him with that, is that prong collar sit sitting pretty snug right behind his ears, or is it hanging down, or what's the? I try to keep it up by his ears because I know that's the best spot. And of course, cause he wears it all day long. He shakes it down. Yeah. So if I get the opportunity, um, and I can get my hands on him, I move it up. But you know, nine times out of 10, you know, he's doing the behavior quickly and I, you know, don't have a chance to move it up. Um, okay. but when, when it's on him, just like if he's just standing there, is it, like it's it's not it's hard to get a, a perfectly placed prong collar all the time unless you have like a a dog with just like the right neck for it. Um, but when he's just standing there, is it is it snug or is it like really loose? It's kind of it's in between. It's not too loose and it's not super snug. Okay. Do you know the the gauge size of the collar by any chance? Yes. It would either be a 3.0, a 3.2, or a 2.25. You want to go grab it? It probably won't, it won't say on it. Oh, it won't? No. It is a uh, pretty good size um, collar. Actually, the behaviorist said it was a very good collar. Yeah, and it, it, was- it, it could be a good, a good collar. Like, if it's a Herm Springer collar, it's, it's a good collar. Uh, but if it's not the right size, it's not. That's what I'm. That's what I'm getting at. Is because, I mean, it's the same thing with any other tool, right? You got a screwdriver. You got a little tiny screw, and you come out with a huge screw gun head. It's not going to work. It's yeah. like, yeah, but it's it's still a screwdriver. It's like, yeah, but it's the wrong size, so it's not going to work. Right. So, um, I would recommend just regardless of what you have, I would go on. I'm going to give you like Amazon or Chewy. What I mm-hmm. would do is there's um, there's a collar. I would I would get a 3.0. Okay. Um, which is like a, which is a, which is a great collar to have, um, good size. And that will give you the, because he's big, I wouldn't go any lower than that, but I'd get a okay. 3.0. I don't know what you have. If it's a 3.2, that's okay. It's slightly bigger, but if it's anything above that, it's probably too big, but, um, you can take those links out as you know, to kind of size it to place. So yeah. if you can take a link out and make it a little snugger. Um, that would be helpful for your control because the more snug you have that collar behind the dog's ears, because the whole goal of the prong collar is to apply pressure when the dog does something that we don't like them to do. It's not to choke them. It's not to hurt them. It's not to poke them. It's to simply distribute a correction. Hey, that's not okay. When they do the exact thing that we don't like and with it, I think a lot of people misunderstand the prong collar in animals in general is you can't look at a dog and give them a, a sad story about why you're upset that they just jumped on you and bit your leg. They don't give a shit. So, right. and you can't say, Hey, please stop. And you can't just grab them and pull them down because this dog is standing at his legs crossing over a six foot man with no problem. So that's why we have these tools. That's why they're used. That's why they were invented because they're a safer tool to distribute a correction, to have clear communication to the dog to exactly time what they're doing is wrong. So when the dog is jumping and doing these things, I'm going to give you some advice because it's, it's, it seems to me like this is a handling error and I'm going to walk through some things that people make common. Uh, th- these are common mistakes that people make 
because you can say, oh, I have the prong collar and I'm doing this and I'm, and I'm, and I'm doing that. And it's like, there, there could be again, like the sizing thing, it could be the wrong time. I mean, these things are crucial to, right. I mean, if you watch my videos, you'll see there's a video that we put out two day, um, my last, not my last video, but on YouTube, we put out this video of this German shepherd owner and I was working with her for a full weekend and I kept telling her, timing, her timing, her timing, her timing. She she wouldn't correct the dog at the right time. She would kind of punish the dog after the fact, right? Which yeah. would obviously frustrate any dog or any person. And so I took my cell phone out. I'm like, look. So the dog would react, bark one, bark two, bark three, lunge. Then she'd pull the dog away. When right. really you don't want to pull at all. You want to pop, and you want to pop immediately when the dog does something to shut it down because i mean to be honest let's face it dogs are very opportunistic some dogs are extraordinarily smart and intelligent and they know what they can get away with and they can become jerks because they're like i'm just gonna walk especially like him at his age he's like he's in his prime he's like yeah i'm gonna have my cake and eat it here on, on this one you know yep yeah. So, so when, so some common mistakes that people make is not having the prong collar fit properly. So I'm going to envision this. I'm going to have, wh what's his name? The dog. Talos. Telos. Tay. Talos. Talos. That's yes. kind of cool. Talos. So I go out with Talos. He's on my left side. I have the prong collar on. It's nice and snug right behind his ears, not on his throat or his trachea. It's ready to go. I got a training leash on. I come out. And he, let's say, cause, um, the problem is this fighting that he's doing. So I would start working on some very basic things. So I'd get a place caught out Taylor's place. He'd say, I don't know what that is. And if I did, I wouldn't do it for you anyway. <laughs> so, yeah, that's what he does. Yeah. <laughs> so I would I, stay there. Right. Yeah. So I'd bring him over, you know, put him on his place. And then that's where he might fight me a little bit, but you have to really, just precision it's precision over power that's one of the other things just about correcting dogs i think people have the wrong idea we're not choking we're not throwing we're not dragging we're just precision over power it's a quick pop to say hey nope that's not okay Errant, wrong right and that's what the prong collar does and that's the beauty of it is it's so precise and it gives you that beautiful clear correction and it's sustainable and it makes sense to the dog so you don't have to you have your dog be choked out all the time and you don't have to continue to say, leave it, leave it, leave it, leave it. You do it once and you do it right and it's over. So put him on his place and then he starts fighting me. Like if he, if he jumps up, I'd say off, I'd correct the dog. Um, you know, and then if he, if he, if he like immediately when he jumped on me, he'd get a, he'd get a pop say off. And then I would pull myself away. I'd make myself, you know, pull him away. So he couldn't, he couldn't get to me. Like meaning like, I'm not saying he would attack me, but they crawl on you. They're like, no, stop. And they'll just start hitting you with their paws, jumping up at you. Yep. Literally doing virtually anything to, to discourage what's going on here. So that correction would be very calm and precise. So I'd say off, bang, quick correction. And it would right. be fast and it would be right to the point. And so what a lot of people do is they go out, they're already frustrated because they're like, this isn't going to work. The dog's going to be a jerk, whatever. And what I tell people is don't do this. This is what a lot of people do is they go, they go off, no down leave. And they, and they start, they start really talking through their voice inflection, right. like how they feel. 
and that's you you don't you don't want to you don't want to do that because that's where the that's where dogs can that's where you can see things um like get get worse <laughs> i guess because because what ends up happening is is the the dog will ultimately just get frustrated with you because and then what what they do is they go ah you're getting frustrated and they start pushing those buttons pushing those buttons and pushing those buttons and you got to be really careful how you're handling that but you don't want to escalate the situation through that frustration through your voice right so that's that's just one that's just one really big thing that a lot of people do is they they're already like look this guy's going to be a jerk it's going to be bad it's going to be you know whatever so anyway that's my suggestion to you is just make sure that when you're doing this is that you're clear you're calm and you're precise right now again like in your head you may be thinking well i've already done all of that but i can tell you it, it, it's very it, it doesn't happen often where somebody has the right timing with the right sized fit equipment and they're calm that a dog continues to push for very long yeah i thought that too <laughs> i mean i it's hard to and maybe it, it was the wrong prong color. I know the or the wrong size. I know the behaviorist was always back and forth. He goes, you know, maybe we need to put another link in here. Oh no, maybe we should take it off. You need you know, so he he didn't seem sure even if the collar was the right size. And he goes, mm -hmm. No, you have it right. Oh, maybe it needs to be loose, you know. Yeah. And you know, even him though, he realized that the the pop and release you know, didn't work for him. It just made him more angry. Um, and so I thought it, at first, I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing wrong because I've always had really good timing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and then when he was having trouble, I was like, okay, maybe it isn't me. But, I mean, maybe, I mean, you can't find the information. He was looking to see what kind of collar it was. Maybe I should just get a different collar and try that. Yeah, I would I would recommend just make sure you get a Herm Springer uh, 3.0 collar. We we have them on our site actually. Um, okay. They sell out like absolutely. Let me I say that, but um, um, you should you should get yourself like a Herm Springer 3.0 with a safety clip. Um, mm -hmm. That's going to be really helpful uh, mm -hmm. for you guys to make sure that 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 correction is 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 timed properly and it's and it's fit right where it needs to be because to be honest like that's the difference again like showing up when you need a hammer and you you show up with a with a screwdriver you know it's like right. it's it's if you're not using the right equipment at the right time um yeah so we do have the we do have the um prong collar uh the 3.0 for sale okay. on the site okay. so okay. and then the safety clips are on are on there as well um so I would I would get one of those. I mean, if and like I said, if you guys end up finding your receipt or your Amazon thing for whatever it was, you can uh, you can check it out, whatever. So anyway, cool. So that's what I would do is just make sure that when you're doing all of this, you're correcting the dog again at the right time, right for the right reasons, and you have to also be calm. I've seen dog owners escalate, no, 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 and they they just immediately go zoop. And the dog goes, here we go. Let's do this. Yep. <laughs> and and um and it's hard for you to like even know if you're doing that or not in the moment. But again, like I would go out. And here's the other thing that a lot of people do. And again, I'm giving these, I'm giving you these tips because in theory, 
out loud without me seeing it, you're doing everything right. But mm-hmm. there's obviously something going on other than, but don't get me wrong. This is a tough breed. sounds like, so it's more challenging. It's not like it's all you. It's like, nah, this is, you know, when people get kind of corsos for the first time ever, or it's their first dog. And I'm like, okay. Uh, it's, it's like never opening the computer and like diving into like do a production on a movie on an iPhone or something or an iP computer or whatever. It's like, it's so much in depth experience, learning curve stuff. So anyway, um, also too, just when you're, when you're working with him, I think a lot of people who, who have these types of situations get very frustrated and they get into this fix it mode when they're out. This is another reason why relationships can kind of continue to smolder is when you're out, I would, I would get that place cut out wherever you're working with this dog and be very sincere and use your momentum with a lot of assertiveness to, to work with this dog. So you put the dog on a leash, you get your treat pouch or whatever he likes, you put your shoulder straight, you go over place, he goes to his place, good place, sit, he goes, nope, you give him a little bit of pressure. And then you kind of handle situations at that point. What a lot of dog owners do at this point is they're like, look at the show. Look how ridiculous this is going to be. Look how much we're going to struggle. Look how much that I, you know, it's, it becomes this woe is me type of this isn't getting any better type of mentality. I've seen a lot of dog owners spiral into this, um, just this bad place of like nothing I can do is going to be helpful. And the dog knows that and the dog ends up in the shelter because the person, their relation, the relationship is so, and it's like anything else, right? I mean, we have good days. We have bad days. For for yeah. me, I get hangry, right? So if yeah. if one thing goes wrong when I'm starving or I haven't eaten it, it's the it's it's can be it can be the end of the world. I forget a battery for a camera or something, I'm like, this is it, my life's over. I can't live, <laughs> you know. So yeah. my point is I'm just giving you some tips that um frequently go into um kind of this, again, this smoldering type of relationship is people just get into this, this isn't going to work, this isn't going to be good. And that's why dog trainers look so good when we get the leash is because we grab, like if I came in, grab that leash, go to your place. I mean, we just have so much intent and we don't have any, any history with the dog that, that can kind of hinder our intentions, I guess. And so I would, I would recommend that too, is take a deep breath, grab that leash, Go to your place. Yes, good place. Okay, break. And you just immediately start with the reps of of working. About how many, like, I mean, because I, I do, we, I don't say place, but I say, his, I say bed. Um, it's like how long, because I know with him, everything has to be short. You know, how long should he stay there in the beginning, you think? Um, that's a good question. I, I would say, like, you're, so... I always talk about this. There's a micro and a macro, a little picture. And then the grand scheme, big picture. The big picture is, is actually working with this dog without conflict, right? right. The little yeah. picture is, is the place in the break. So yeah. don't, don't, cause again, like if it's such a good question, such a dog owner question, I love it. So <laughs> it's perfect because if I asked you to do this, I'd say, go to your place, you know, bring him to his place. Let me see how that works. You bring him to his place. And he goes there, he's enthusiastic, he looks at you right in your face, he, he, mm-hmm. he's excited, he's motivated, all this is good, and you forget to pay him, good place, and then you 
have unrealistic expectations considering A, his obedience in general, and B, your relationship with him right now is not very, hey, follow me, follow the leader. So it's a great question. It's a great point. What I would do is, again, think of the bigger picture is right now you're having a hard time getting this dog to listen to anything that you say. Yeah. Right? So I would say, hey, go to your place. He goes to his place. Good place. Okay, break. And I would just spin off, give him literally five seconds to debrief. Hey, buddy, place. He doesn't. A little bit of leash pressure. Yes, buddy, good place. And then he looks at you. You pay him again for engaging, and then you break. This is something that is very very difficult for me to teach dog owners because this is the this is the it factor of yeah. why I do what I do. This is the it factor of where I am at is because you have a very small window because this dog is going to say, "Oh, I remember." Nope. I remember. But how about nope? You immediately close Every window, think of you with a mouse closing out windows in your computer. You're closing out any window or any build of the dog starting to go, I'm going to try, nope, I'm going to, maybe, nope. And you just, you're, you're basically, it's, it's, it's a, it's, it's, it's a skill set and it's something that you have to, like when somebody's having a conversation with somebody and maybe they say something wrong or they call somebody by the wrong name or whatever. And there's this, some people will kind of get very awkward and like, oh, well, and they don't know how to handle it. And then there's people like myself who can just, ro- just that was a kink. I'm going to roll this kink out like it never happened. Michael Jackson walks into the room. It never happened. Like I, you, you don't make, you know what I mean? It's just yeah. part of that. I don't want to say like this finesse, this coolness that you have to have when you're working with a dog that's trying to push you. You just say, hey, buddy, place, good place. Okay, break. So it's kind of like the the bad kid and the, and the teacher that's trying to break through in the movies where they're trying to be this like malicious get under your skin and you're like, you can't phase me, dude. And I'm asking you to do something really easy and I want to be your friend and I want to help you. And so it's hard to explain, but that's how you would do that really quick reps. Okay. That's kind of what I was doing. It's just after I do a few of those, he's like, I'm so done. And that's when the mouth starts teeth, you know, he starts mouthing and growling and, and so, I know, like, I, I try to do everything in, like, baby steps with him, and, um, I mean, what would you suggest for, I mean, I'm going to work with that more, and I'm going to check out the collar, um, what would you suggest about what I do, um, he's really good, he has no, like, food aggression or anything like that, I can literally stick my hand in his dish when he's eating, and even with toys and stuff like that, but I'm having issues if he gets something even, like, dangerous that he's not supposed to have, um, I don't know how to handle, you know, he knows give, he knows drop, but if he wants it, he's like, are you kidding me? And I can't get in, you know, and reach in and get it. I mean, I got attacked doing that. And he particularly attacks after it comes out of his mouth. Obviously he's like, that was mine. And he gets pretty aggressive. And so I'm like, how do I work with, if he were to get something that I really needed to get out, you know, (sighs) I don't know how to work with that so that I can get him to just freely give something up that he really wants. Yeah. Well, struggling with him too. Totally. Totally. Well, you have to, um, you have to really take into consideration how, how in depth that, that question is, because to me, um, as a professional, uh, I'm I'm hearing this situation of like, hey, I don't really have much with this dog right now. 
I don't have the skills or the relationship or the experience and the experiences with this dog to handle much. I can't even get this dog to, I mean, you name it, X, Y, or Z. Walk on a leash, not try to come after me. Like, he's very short-fused, if you will. Mm -hmm. So the question of, okay, well, when he gets a beefy raw bone or he gets a yogurt cup by accident or whatever it is, well, how right. do I get that out of his? And it's like, well, you shouldn't, You, he, it's kind of like puppy proofing the house again, is right. you don't have the, again, you don't have the skill sets or the know-how with this or the directions, if you will, with this dog yet to even walk him down the road on a loose leash and ask him to sit without a fight. So I don't even think you should be blocking out every opportunity for him to be getting onto that very high level. Cause to me, that's like a level 10, 10 out of 10 type of obedience where you don't even, you're not even graduated from level one yet. Mm -hmm. So my answer is, is don't ever let him get into a situation where he gets something that you have to fight him to get out of it because you can't even ask him to go to his bed without a fight, let alone take a bone from the dude. Right. Yeah. But it's, I mean, it's stupid things. I mean, it's like, I am very careful about the food thing in case he gets like a chicken bone or whatever. It's, it's dumb things. It's literally like, um, he grabbed a poisonous leaf one time and I couldn't get it out of his mouth. And before, I mean, he knew I was going to try to get it out of his mouth and he actually swallowed it. And I'm like, seriously, so I had to call poison control and all that. Um, that's what he does. I mean, lately what's been kind of working, if he gets something, I actually will bring him to the post and I will tie him up to the post so he can't get me. And then I, thankfully, a couple times, he's actually dropped it. When I said drop it, he will drop it, but he'll stand over the top of it. Mm -hmm. And so by having him tied up to the post, I can kind of pull him tightly. And then I will, with my foot, kick it out from under him and then stand over the top of it and say, this is mine. And do like the whole. And then he finally puts his head down and is like, fine. Mm -hmm. You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, if, I do. If it's. I mean, that's what I, he's been doing that, but there's certain things, you know, like when I even, unex, you know, when I'm not expecting it, like if, you know, sometimes he likes, I mean, we give him a box occasionally, he likes to tear apart a box and we're mm -hmm. like, that's fine, but I'll go and pick up the pieces later and he doesn't like that and he'll come at me and I'm like, you know, I didn't even think that he was going to do that, but I'm just picking up a few pieces and he's like, hey, you know, so that, that took me by surprise that he would sure. come at me. Sure. Yeah. yeah, but you know, again, like as a, as a, I totally get it, but you have to ask yourself before you do anything with him, can this cause conflict that I have no control over? And if the yeah. answer is yes, you don't do it. I understand yeah. giving him a box is like fun for him at the time, but then when you have a fight and in a battle and a conflict for the aftermath, I yeah. wouldn't, I wouldn't do it. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, it's just not worth it because you're setting yourself up for failure. Hey, if I give him this box, he's going to growl and come at me and I'm going to have this whole stressful thing after. Well, then don't do it. It's not worth it. Like, okay. it, he, it's like taking one step forward, taking one step back, right? You give him a box to chew up, he's happy. And then you right. go and then he slaps you in the face and now you're like, well, now this sucks. You know what I mean? Right. It's like giving a kid a baseball and he takes it and he chucks it out of his brother's face. You're like, I, I, okay, well, that was supposed to be an enjoyable thing and now right. you're grounded, <laughs> you know? Right. 
So yeah. I would just, it's okay to limit, and it's not a, here's what I want you to understand as a, as a dog lover myself. That's not a long-term thing. It's not a forever thing. All I'm saying is right now, you got to pick up the pieces with his relationship first before you start really asking him or getting into these sticky situations with him. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But, okay. but again, like that's all handling. Like how do you get an animal that's, tethered up to a pole that is huge that is trying to take that's all handling you have to be able to physically you know touch this dog at the right places move your body move your hips move your legs everything about you has to be on time it's just like a tough horse like I I have friends that work with horses I go and help them out when I can and it's the same thing if you walk in there and you you, your breathing is off the dog's like Sit back and relax, boys. I'm going to walk all over this person. And they do. Yeah, and yeah it, oh, I know. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it, it, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's a tough dog, and you have to be on your game. But by, mm-hmm. by giving him an opportunity that you know is going to be a challenge at the end of the night is not a great idea until you get better or full control. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And the other, you know, like I said, the other thing is the vet can't really handle him either. And that's also been an issue. But I'm I'm hoping, you know, I keep trying like baby steps. Like I can't even clean his ears out because, you know, he's horribly aggressive with that. And the vet can't really do much with him. And they actually want to sedate him all the time. And I don't want him sedated all the time. And I'm like, I'm like, I don't even know how this dog turned out like this. Um, so, so you think by doing all this, eventually you know, he's going to just submit and. (laughs) No, I I don't think it's going to be this. Okay. Now I'll listen to everything you say, but right now you don't have a good relationship with him to start. Like if you're, if you're fighting with somebody and you, you have a big project to work on, you guys have to hash out your shit first before you do anything. Like you guys got to get this off your chest and say, okay, listen, here's how I feel you know, here, here's where you need to be. I'm in charge. You're not like, you gotta fit, you gotta pay, you know, these are, it's not going to come like you're dealing with two different things. You're dealing on developing a better relationship with the dog and you're dealing on creating basic obedience with the dog. You can't have, well, it's difficult to have a nice life with a dog that isn't obedient, right? Because obedience is manners. Manners is, is like kids with manners. Please, thank you, hold my hand. All of these things that make our lives easier. We're not grabbing things. We're not, you know, chugging bottles under the counter that we shouldn't be. Like all of these things of like limits, boundaries, uh, manners, like this dog doesn't have that. So you're dealing with two different things here. And you have to build both. Those are both, both projects that you have to build up on. But again, like to... I mean, it, it just, it, there's just things that you're probably doing handling wise that's, that's causing a lot of this. And I know that that doesn't necessarily help you right now, but I, I would, uh, other than this conversation, highly suggest either working with somebody who has more experience with behavior with this type of situation that can show you how to do it. Like the way that I do things is I'm, I'm a, I'm a coach. So if, if you were, if I was a basketball coach and you put your hand wrong on the ball, I'll say, nope, here's where you need to be. This is how you need to shoot. This is how you, you know, follow through all these things. It's, I don't think it's beneficial for you to find a behaviorist that's telling you 
um, what they can do. I think they need to sit back and say, Hey, this is the things that you're doing wrong. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's the first thing that you really need to do. You, you need to see somebody else operate this machine the way that you don't think it can happen. So you can have Mm -hmm. confidence that like, Oh, it, it is definitely me now. And this is why. But other than that, what I would be doing, my tips and my suggestions for you are, is again, remember, grab that leash with assertiveness, put your shoulders straight. And here's what everyone does with a dog like this or with any dog. They grab the leash, they look straight down at the dog, they turn their body so their chest is facing the dog and they go, okay, buddy, are you ready to do something? That immediately Mm -hmm. tells the dog that, Um, I'm nervous about what I'm about to ask you to do, and I hope that you do it, and I hope that we don't fight. And I don't really know where I'm going because I'm facing you, and I'm talking to you because I'm nervous, right? And Mm -hmm. grab that leash, put your shoulders straight, walk directly to the place command, say his name, and tell him the place. If he doesn't, just give him a little bit of pressure. Good place, buddy. If he's food motivated, give him a little bit of food. Don't let him off the place. I would hold one Mississippi to Mississippi. Great place, buddy. Break. Good job. Pat him on the side a little bit. Okay, buddy, let's go to your place. I would fast him in the morning. So he's super food motivated. If you can get out chicken, steak, anything that he really loves to work for you. And then I would put him away. I would put him in the room, put him in a crate, put him in an area that I would do this for 10 minutes and then give him a break. And I would put him away. And I would do that throughout the day to give him structure. And that's the first step of starting to regain things. Now, the other thing that you can do is do basic thresholds. You walk, you walk to your door to go outside. You ask him to stay. You don't, I wouldn't ask him to sit because this is a dog that is going to be, is going to be like, okay, I'm giving you an inch and you just took a mile, mom. Now I'm pissed. So I would keep it basic. I would just walk to the door. I would say his name, stay. I would walk one step forward. If he stays, I would pay him in position. Good stay. I would walk a step forward again and then two steps. So you have two feet in front of him. You got your leash to hold him back if he decides to lunge. If he does good with that, I would pay him and break him through. I do that actually with him. So perfect. he's actually pretty good. I do it, you know, with doors and and I do it even on our walks. I'll I'll randomly do like a step and then I walk. I even put pressure on the leash and he's actually really good. Great. Um, yeah, so I do do that with him. It's just, um, you know, like I said, just when he really wants to do something and I'm like, no, you know. Yeah, no, I understand. So, But but I just did this with a puppy. We, we were filming with a puppy today yeah. and we did the same thing. So what I, so you have to go in increments. So mm-hmm. let's say it's the cardboard, right? Let's say that's the context. Mm-hmm. That's like, okay, well now this is sucky. What you have to do is you have to, Okay, again, the macro. The macro is the car- the big picture is the cardboard. That's the game. That's the mm-hmm. Super Bowl. That's the real deal, okay? But what you should be doing is how can I replicate a similar playing field or a similar thing without diving in a little too deep, right? Because the cardboard's too much. You can't do that right now. So I would take I would I would start figuring out what is similarly a currency like a cardboard. Maybe it's a piece of food. Maybe it's a ball. Maybe it's a toy. And you start doing these things. So you work on the thresholds of this day. You start working on the place. So I did this with a puppy. I did place. This dog didn't know anything. I did place. I said, yes, good place. So we got that down. 
I started working on stay, which, which, which was not an implied stay. So I said, I want you to place. The dog goes there. I said, stay. I didn't care if they, if he sat down, spin, danced on his back, two legs. He's just got to stay in, stay in that place until I break. He learned Mm -hmm. that. Then what I did is I took the, cause he was having a hard time with the crate barreling out of the crate, barreling out of the crate. So he had no threshold, anything like he had no yielding to anything. I said, okay. Mm -hmm. So, so what I did is I taught him patience and I taught him to break on me. So we did the place, got it. We did the stay, got it. Now I did a distraction. I put a piece of food down that he's been working for and we fasted him in the morning. So he's super hungry. I put the food down and he was like, yep, that's mine. Boom, caught him. Boom, caught him. Boom, caught him. And then as soon as I put it down, stood up straight, he waited two seconds, break. And he learned thresholds that way and then i put him in the crate and we did the same thing and he does beautifully i open up the crate door he sits there he waits he's like oh this is boring okay break and he comes out so my point is is if you're having a problem with the cardboard don't go that's the game don't go directly to the game figure out a, a fair practicing field that you can practice on until you can get to that picture okay okay we will do that. He and like I said, he has improved a ton. Good. Um, it's just these last few things that the behaviorist really <laughs> hasn't been able to help with me. So, um, or he's kind of just you know not given up, but you know he's like just keep working with him. <laughs> like yeah. okay. Yeah, it's yeah, it's t- it's tough. Um, the yeah. other thing that I would I would recommend. Uh, where whereabouts do you live? Yeah, where do I live? Um, uh, Northern Illinois. Okay. So, uh, I, d- I don't know anybody in that area, but I would say, um, alternatively, if you're hitting again, like this frustrating, okay, you could, um, we could do another one of these and you can send me footage of you working with the dog prior okay. via yeah. email. You can send me some footage like, okay, these are the four things that we're working on. You can send it to me and we can go over it on the phone just like this. I mean, it's going to be better than you scratching your head, looking around. I can help you. I've, d- I've dealt with a bazillion of these dogs. Um, there's things that you're doing that are 100% going to be wrong that I can definitely optimize for you, but I, mm-hmm. I don't know what they are because I can't see it. So that's the other alternative that you could do in the future is book okay. another one of these instead of going out and finding a trainer that's just going to lead you down the road that doesn't help you. Um, yeah. and I'm not saying that they would, I'm just, I'm just saying, it sounds like you're kind of like running out of room in your, in your area. Um, yeah. we could do this again, right? So you take your videos, you send them over okay. to me and then we walk through the coaching process. Okay. Sound good? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to get video for you for this one, but you know, I, when it happens, it's so fast and then it's over and darn, we just got the phone out, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well now, now, so work on this and say, okay, you're either going to, it's either going to be great and you're going to do really good. And you're like, Oh, awesome. Um, or you're going to be like, okay, I'm still doing something wrong. Um, and then at that point, again, like just set up your phone, Take your take your videos, send them to me, and we can crack at it. Okay, that sounds good. Great. All right. Well, I wish you the best of luck. Thanks for signing up. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. All right, you guys. You've reached the end of the podcast, which means I'm going to be answering three of your dog training questions. So make sure if you want me to answer your specific questions, you head over to the iTunes review chart. First question comes in from Listen19, and I'm not going to lie, I think I've answered this question before. So this is a longer question. I'm going to keep it brief and answer it again, just in case I forgot. I, it sounds so familiar, but anyway, so this individual has two great Danes and everything is going good with training except her younger dog. Um, 
uh, walks nicely on a leash, but uh, the dog yanks when other off-leash dogs come near them. Um, also will chase after running kids and never jumps on them, but can't seem to think. So the question is, obviously with a dog this big, I'm concerned he will hurt me at some point when he randomly decides to chase something on leash. Would a prong collar help correct this e-collar? The prong, the answer to your question, I think the prong collar would be the safest when you're dealing with a dog that's a hundred and plus pounds. I mean, this dog is 90 pounds at six months, so he's easily going to be 120 and change, if not more. So yeah, the prong collar is going to be not only the safest for him, but for you, because when he decides to pull, um, you're going to want that prong collar snug. So he doesn't build momentum. I think a lot of people think that you got to realize that when a big animal puts pressure on that prong collar, they yield to that pressure so nicely with a quick correction that they never get to a point where they're going to pull dangerously for themselves or for you. So don't think about, when you think about a dog pulling, a lot of people think of a dog pulling on a flat collar or a harness. That's the most maximum capacity pulling power you could ever get with the dog because it enables them and actually for harnesses, it it makes them pull harder and it, it gives them that opportunity to pull without any consequences. That's why harnesses were invented. That's why they don't work for teaching dogs to not pull. So when you're using that prong collar, it stops them way before they ever get to the point of real pressure on themselves because it's an immediate yield. So I would say, yes, the prong collar would be best for any, even if they're not chasing things, you get a dog that big. If they decide to go, it's either you drop the leash and then they go and pray to God, they don't get smacked by a car or you go get dragged and then end up in the hospital. Um, that sounds, I don't think that that's fair to say, but I I think that that's realistic. I'm not trying to be dark, but I just think that that's the the reality is of having a dog that's the size of a mini horse if you don't have that power steering. And that's just my opinion and that's just my experience with these dogs, of course, as you guys know. Um, but yeah, if I was walking around with a mini horse that wanted to pull randomly, I would not be on a flat collar or a harness for their sake and safety and both of mine and other people. All right. Hey, five-star review from 17 Nina. I've been working with my dog's reactivity. We walk to a dog park and there's a there is a house within 10 barking Shiba's scratching at the window, not, not exaggerating at all. I've encountered 8 to 10. She gets stimulated as we approach the house now because of the chaos. How can I minimize her reactivity by being fair since they're so reactive as well? I've given her corrections on the prong, but she still acts and makes me crazy just without pulling. Even if I call her off and tell her to sit, she will do it without looking at me. Your e-caller as well. Um, it's tough because... Because so how do you get a how do you fairly work on this? I think you'd have to blend in around that house as much as you can. I always think about the other dogs too. Unfortunately, like it's when you have ten dogs that are scratching at the window, it's just a terrible, inhumane environment of somebody that probably really loves dogs but has created a very toxic, unhealthy situation for them. You get ten dogs and anything that walks by the front of the house, all 10 of the dogs are at the front three or four windows scratching um, habitually and losing their minds. It's just a terrible way to live in my opinion, but I don't, this is just the context I'm given. I, so I'm, I'm, I, I don't know everything, but that's what it sounds like. So I guess my point is, is you have to be kind of fair to them too. So I would just blend in as much as you can and, and try to do as much positive reinforcement training as you can around these environments to hopefully, um, start breaking down some of these 
things. Like, so work in that area as long as you can that you think it's fair. That's what I would do. I would work in that area as long as you can for, yeah, just so, just so you can start blending these things in. I think that that's the best thing to do. Um, that's the fair thing to do is to just kind of like, instead of like running through there or getting in there and having it be really chaotic, I would try to soak in there as long as you can to make it a positive experience. Best dog training podcast, Cheryl 96. Thank you so much. Hey Tom, I appreciate the work and content that you put out for people just like me, just trying to help dogs and their owners have better lives. That's right. My question is, I have a three-year-old pit mix. She growls at anyone who comes in the door except me. We don't have company often, so it's most likely my boyfriend who gets the reaction. Sometimes it's not that serious, but if we're on the couch and he comes in, she's more likely to have a bigger reaction. She also growls randomly at him, and I don't know why sometimes. She doesn't react outside, and her obedience is good. I would like to know what you recommend. It sounds to me, um, in the question, not letting her on the couch. Yeah, I mean, it sounds to me if you can try to find the triggers of what's happening, try to find, um, like you said, like it's only happening under certain scenarios and those scenarios that you know, you can isolate and say, Hey, these are the, these are the circumstances of my dog being reactive or growly. And it sounds like the couch is definitely one of those things. So I would personally start eliminating anything that you can possibly think of that, um, will make your dog reactive or act the way that you don't want him him or her to. So if your dog is on the couch with you, I mean, it's probably just like a protective thing. It could be a jealousy thing. Um, I'm not really 100% sure, but yeah, I would just try to eliminate any triggers or anything that makes your dog act like this um, or anything that you can think of that your dog may be accumulating this build from. So yeah, I would just try to, um, you could go to a place command. uh, You can just work on like, Hey, knock it off. Like, don't, you know, don't be, don't be a brat. Um, but it sounds more of like a jealousy thing. So yeah, I would work on just eliminating any trigger or anything that you can accumulate of information of like, this is the only time these, these things happen. So yeah, cool. All right. I'm going to be answering three more next time guys. So make sure you leave your review and I will talk to you on Wednesday. Bye. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah Baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com.